Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is episode 50. Wow. Right? How do you feel getting to the big 5-0, dude? Like, should we celebrate it? I don't did know. anything? What do you do for 50? I don't I, I know, like, in the 60s, like 65, like, we'll have a retirement dinner for the Save Room. Yeah. We'll take it out to get an early bird special. You want... Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, how, how early does the Red Lobster open? I want to be like an old man that goes to Red Lobster and doesn't order anything to do with seafood. Mm-hmm. Get the pasta. And we're just going to gorge ourselves on Cheddar yeah. Bay biscuits. It's really about those Cheddar Bays. Dude, they're so good. You know what I'm saying? You know what I once went to le- uh, Red Lobster on Valentine's Day. Three hour wait. Really? Yeah. It's the last time I don't get reservations on Valentine's Day. You would think that nobody would be pi- like piling into a Red Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> but we have been significantly wrong in the past. Listen, it's the last bastion for romantic gestures. Dude, I've seen fucking Applebee's like packed before, and that one was just filled my mind with question marks. Let's not talk about Applebee's. I spent, sure? I spent more time in Applebee's in the last 365 days. What the fuck? <laughs> we, we never get to talk about that. Let's talk about this for like one second. Okay. Okay. We moved from the East Coast, where we come from Florida. We moved to Washington, West Coast, if you're unaware of maps. And a lot of people out here apparently swear by this fucking trash fire restaurant called Applebee's. And I'm kind of confused, because like, that was like the C option. If, if you couldn't find some late night eats, yeah. like, you know? Like, back home it went, I guess, like, here's the ranking, like, Chili's, uh-huh. Ruby Number Tuesday. One. Okay. Ruby Tuesday is, like, you know, good mid-tier. They had a great salad bar. Okay, you're and, correct about that. And then Applebee's. Maybe Friday's is in there somewhere, Actually, too. Friday's is above Applebee's. Yeah, okay, sure. so we knocked it down to D. We knocked it down to D grade, yeah. for sure. So, I mean, they have um, they have these great little chicken wonton tacos, and they have, like, a good, like, two for $10 appetizer deal. But it's just it's just a restaurant. Don't, don't advertise their paper food on this podcast. I don't want their their sullied sponsorships. <laughs> I'm just confused that everyone that you know drags you to Applebee's. Like every other night, I'm like, hey, Danny, where, where, where are you heading tonight, bro? And he's like, going to the bees. <laughs> Literally every <laughs> night of my week is booked by an Applebee's date or dinner. I hate it, my dude. Oh, yeah. Okay, so podcast. Hey, how's everyone going? Let's do some front-end housekeeping. If you didn't know, and I'm very sorry if you didn't know, and you're not going to want to know after this, this this is a safe room it's brought to you by your two favorite soft boys we talk about video games uh week in and week out you can find us in soundcloud.com slash the safe room show but if you say fuck that we got other services such as what daniel spotify stitcher apple podcast (laughs) itunes rss feeds Castbox, maybe probably not. Castbox, that's no, a new. That's pro- not a maybe. Actually, no. When I was checking the stats um, on our latest episode, I saw some mm-hmm. Castbox plays, and I'm like, oh, interesting. Maybe somebody stole our podcast. Maybe <laughs> you think that's somebody's pirating our free podcast? That's not very good to listen to to begin with. <laughs> listen, we're giving it away for free in 2019. You guys can listen to it all you want. But save roommates. We need a favor. Lie to the people out there. If you if you listen to us on the iTunes, give us a good old rating. Drop a comment. Share. Just try to spread. The the save room gospel i know it doesn't make sense to but we would appreciate it nonetheless also also i have a very special announcement on this podcast my friend yeah daniel has returned to streaming oh wow yeah i i did a very triumphant return after Mm -hmm. a two and a half month anxiety hiatus (laughs) (laughs) what inspired you what broke the camel's back in half to get you back in Uh, i just wanted to play video games for people Okay. That's all it was. It was literally fucking me, inspiring. Me Thank just you, being Daniel. Like, I want to get back into it. So on Tuesday, I had. 
the day to myself after a straight week of editing. I was like, cool, I finally have some time to just chill. And I was like, I'm going to stream some Tetris Effect. And I had some people come in, new faces, old faces, and it was it was just cool. You know? I, I walked in as I wont to do. I break into his room when I hear him streaming. Mm-hmm. And then I start yelling at his chat. But there is some fresh, cool people. You, you had your own nomenclature. What is this boom room? <laughs> What is this? What are you doing behind my back, man? So I had this fellow named Singing Dave 2 come in because his father is Singing Dave 1. He comes from a long line of singers. Long line of singers, I should say. And Daves. And Daves, apparently. Um, And him and Vargi were talking. Vargi was telling me, hey, we should... I should go out to Vegas. We should go to a club. Started talking about hookers and blackjack and this and that. And then Dave was like, hey, we should open our own club. We should open it in Minneapolis. And we could, you know, do blackjacks. We can have fucking jazz days. We'll have jazz brunches and lunches. And a whole menu inspired by, like, jazz artists and this and that. And we decided we were going to call it the Boom Room. And that was kind of the running (laughs) bit. But I misinterpreted at first. I didn't understand, like... It was. It's hard to keep up with the chat when you're playing Tetris Effect. Oh, you can barely look at it. No, because so much is happening on screen, so I had to just kind of look in between songs, and I was misinterpreting some of the data, and I was like, oh, what's this boom room thing? And I, I wasn't sure if it was them calling, like, when I go into zone effect, where you can kind of slow down time and clear lines quicker. Uh, I thought they were calling that the boom room. So it was a little bit of column A, column B. But yeah, the, the boom room. Interchangeable in their minds. Interchangeable. But it, long story short, we're basically going to open a restaurant in Minneapolis. Awesome. And it's going to be great. Called the boom room. Called the boom room. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% in. And I invite any singers slash Daves to help us out with this uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> you could be a 50% stakeholder in the company. Well, I have continued my stream quest <laughs> to get to the end of twitch uh you can find my shit on twitch.tv slash the red herb it is especially exciting times because resident evil 2 is upon us we'll get into it in a second but i stream some cool shit that relates to capcom's latest and greatest it did thank you capcom it was a, it was a good 30 minute stream it was <laughs> and then you honored that stream by playing resident evil zero which did not honor my fandom of no. the series. Yeah, l- l- quick soapbox real quick. The removal of the item boxes is the worst motherfucking thing that they could have... It straight murders the entirety of that game. I am so sorry. In a game that already has backtracking, you have fucking enveloped it in another layer of backtracking. How dare you? How fucking How dare fucking you. dare you. That's all I want to say about Resident Evil Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we move on, I guess, we did a Game of the Year episode. You guys can check that out. It's been live for the last few days on SoundCloud, Spotify, elsewhere, all the places we just plugged. So go ahead and give that some love. It's very long. It's very long. I was supposed to split it into two parts, but I decided that I wanted us to be the only podcast people listen to in 2019. Yeah, you went against the wishes of the shareholders. So I kept it whole. Also, I just, just I didn't like the way it looked presenting it in two parts. And it just didn't, like the second part, the way it started, I was like, it doesn't feel like the start of an episode. Be true to yourself. So I just went back to it. It. be true to yourself so if you guys have under three hours to spare <laughs> go yeah. ahead and give that a listen i i feel like we ripped ourselves open in order to discuss the entirety of a year especially a year like 2018 that was a marathon i don't oh, think i've ever done and recorded content like that ever yeah so in 2019 from now on, we're actually only going to record a like 15 minute podcast so actually oh we gotta go thanks everybody for fucking listening <laughs> <laughs> no so awesome dude now 2019 though 2019 mm-hmm. We're going to restructure the save room. We're doing new things. We're doing different things. Oh, is that what the fucking pardon our dust sign is in the living room? We're doing renovations? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually for a lot of different reasons okay. and a lot of good goofs. Don't 
it's going to come into okay, play. Okay, okay? Waited, it's going to come into play. Fucking respect it. Now, <laughs> so we talked so much about the video games we're playing and the games that assaulted our senses in 2018. This episode is all about that news. We began the year and it was quiet. Mm-hmm. But little did we know, we were simply standing in the eye of the hurricane that is this fucking industry. This crazy 2019 news brew. It's a Category 5 news brew right now. I couldn't believe so. <laughs> I couldn't keep up with some of this shit. I come home and you're just like, yo, Bungie split with Activision. And I'm just like, no. You're like, I not. thought that was a joke. That was like a rumor. What are you... T-? And then I pop up on my phone. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. It was just fucking thing after thing after thing. We thought... <sighs> We thought 2019 was going to be different, man. <laughs> we thought so. But we're going to we have to restructure, reallocate, do all sorts of shit, man. On this episode, we got fucking allegations. We got fucking masturbations. We we got how many how many shins do we got? We got female ejaculations, acquisitions. Oh god. Oh god. I don't know. We got it all, man. <laughs> right. And we're just going to have to dive the fuck into it. So right. Strap in, y'all. We got some quick hits for you. They're not necessarily quick, so it's a misnomer, but you're already strapped in. You're here. You can't leave. Yeah, you're <laughs> you, fucked. You can't eject this tape from the fucking tape deck. Okay, <laughs> number one on the list. Mortal Kombat 11's cover art has been revealed. It's got that scorpion guy on it. He breathes fire and misses his murdered family. It's oh. actually, yeah, that's, that's true lore. Now, all we saw was the cover. You saw the art, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very yellow. It's super yellow. It's pretty bright. You're like, did you see it? And I'm like, I'm not sure. I think I did. I saw something really yellow on Twitter. You're like, no, that was it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I guess it's supposed to be kind of golden. Oh, they should do a holographic cover. Ooh, that'd be cool. Ooh, look, look like uh, one of them Zelda covers and whatnot. Fuck yeah. So we don't know anything about this game, pretty much beyond what we saw at the Reveal the Game Awards. Mm. There's going to be a big old community reveal on January 17th, so we'll actually see some shit. But rumor has it that they're going to uh, let you play with like core gameplay features, like customize your character a bit more. Probably inspired by what Injustice 2 did. Mm-hmm. If you remember, you could just like change the look and shit. I think I saw a screenshot today of Scorpion, like he had like different kind of costuming and stuff on yeah. so if you could choose that shit oh man that'd be so cool yeah i didn't play too much of injustice 2 but mm. you had gotten hardened to it and you were kind of hopeful that this is something a, a decision that they would borrow from that and and move into this yeah it makes sense because the last mortal kombat x or 10 or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. at one point they're calling it xl and i just was like it's not a shirt it's a, <laughs> it's a fucking video game at one point they they i mean they did the variations for like the fighting styles and that was really cool so if they can continue to expand on that i mean i'm gonna buy it anyway you could have just fucking you could have reskinned mortal kombat xl and tricked me <laughs> i would have still got it <laughs> so the yellow thing isn't too eye eye catching for you but like i asked you yesterday i was like if they happened to do like a deluxe version that was like a different color different schematic mm. to it would you jump for that first well you know the last uh, special edition of mortal kombat that i got was nine mm-hmm. and that came with the the bookend statues yeah. which i still use to this day and you have as well mm-hmm. fuck yeah yeah we both got that um but for mortal kombat 10 i just got the kind of deluxe with the season pass which like they had the cover where it was like a profile shot of either sub-zero or scorpion mm-hmm. which pretty tasteful cover actually yeah i like it pretty, pretty minimalistic minimalistic yes but um the collector's edition that came with it had a statue that i wasn't really digging on it was kind of like this d-res very stylized version of sub-zero mm-hmm. and i was like eh I don't really feel like forking over 200 bucks for that. But if this one has a cool-ass collector's edition, maybe. Maybe. I'll be there. It's around my birthday this game's coming out. So, oh, really? Yeah, it's coming out April 23rd, so it's I like, like a week after my birthday. The last two or three have come out in April. 
Yes. That's yes. pretty Actually, cool. Mortal Kombat 10 came out on my birthday exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's neat. All right. What, so, what, up? we're five days away from the community event. I'm sure we're going to see more gameplay, more specs, maybe some, some additions some here. Some blood, see some playtime pals. Um, I have one request for, for a sequel. Sure. Bring, bring back friendships. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, that was good. You remember that? I want to give I want to give a fighter presents. <laughs> but to keep babalities out of it. That shit's weird. You don't like the babalities? I, well, I mean, they're funny, mm-hmm. but it's... I want friendships. Okay. You want to go up there to Goro and give him a fucking forearmed hug? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I feel you, dude. Or he could be, like, you know, doing some pottery in each hand. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just spitballing. Just spitballing. <laughs> All right, next one we got on here. Spidey is swinging into 2019 with some Fantastic Four content. 2018 was a landmark year for Insomniac, as Insomniac's Marvel Spider-Man was not only the fastest-selling PlayStation exclusive ever, but it went on to sell over 9 million copies. Following the three DLC episodes, addition of a new game plus, and the free Raimi suit added last month, it seems Insomniac has even more up their sleeves to support their hit Spider-Man game in its second year. In a tweet by Marvel Games, because this is how news breaks, they tease something new for the fans. Quote, and for our final hashtag Fantastic Four Week livestream announcement, something fantastic is coming to Marvel Spider-Man. Any guesses? Oh my god, dude, it might be like um, The Rock. The Rock will be playable in Spider-Man. You know, swinging around with his big old tribal tattoos. No, you got to think fantastic. And his, what is not fantastic about his python arms? Okay, you got me there. <laughs> I could smell what you're cooking there, man. Ooh. While it's clear that the Fantastic Four content will be brought to the game, it's uncertain what sort of content it will be. Fan hopes are high for a DLC set episode centered around the Baxter building and the Fantastic Four themselves. More practical hopes are for the stylish future Foundation suit or the amazing Bagman suit, which seems more likely than a full episode. That was my hope. That was yeah. my hope. I want the future Foundation suit. It looks so cool. It's fucking awesome. It yeah. was in a few other games as well. What do you think it's going to be? I, I I will put it out there. I highly doubt it's going to be a DLC episode of some I, sort. I don't think so either. Yeah, I, maybe side quests, kind mm-hmm. of in the vein of the screwball challenges, but definitely not story content shit. What are you doing? You're just out there doing like side quests for like Richard and the crew? Yeah, maybe you got to fucking race Johnny Storm or something, you Ooh. know? Which actually is from previous. That was from Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. No, that would be cool. Like maybe like yeah. one, like four side quests in total, each tied to each of the characters. <gasps> you fucking nailed it, my dude. Insomniac. Cool. What's, you know that? new shit you were looking for that new content these idiots got it Give for me that you shit. hey brian i got some ideas for you <laughs> yeah i would be down with that mm-hmm. i just think like the turnaround on this wouldn't i don't know that it would be as baked out as the um the city that never sleeps dlc mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but i i very basically i do think it's just probably some more suits yeah. uh maybe some more like if they put in the Baxter building, maybe add some voice lines around mm. it. That'd be cool. But I don't think we're far out from maybe a second year of full content from this game. Like, I couldn't see... Uh-huh. I could see them doing the City Never Sleeps Volume 2 or whatever. Which I would be fine with. I think that would be cool. And I think that would bridge the gap from what I think is going to be probably a three to three and a half year turnaround for a sequel. Mm. So, you know, the kind of... To feed the fans would be nice. But I, I, I don't see it being like, we're going to do fucking DLC that introduces all four of these brand new... Ca- no, 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 that's not, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Especially not like the, the Fantastic Four family, you know, to reinvent that for video <laughs> game. Nah, dude. Nah, but I will put it in their ball court to surprise us. They always do. They always do. All right, buddy boy. Next thing I got on here, I am... <laughs> 
Man, I feel ways. Resident Evil 2's one-shot demo is available for download right now. Until January 31st, PC, PS4, and Xbox One players have access to a 30-minute demo starring Leon serving those looks Kennedy. If zombies overwhelm you, you're able to restart the demo. But once your 30 minutes are up, that's it. Oh, and you may want to dodge some forms for a while since the PC version of the demo was already data mined, revealing the full game's secrets including enemies, weapons, and characters. Whoa. So be careful online. I didn't know that. Dude, it's fucking two weeks away. Two weeks away. You can wait. You can wait. You can wait. You were telling me before we sat down that people in the PC community have already broken the demo, like expanded it outside of the 30-minute window. Yeah, they, they found a way to erase the fucking timer, but of course, like, they, they put themselves at risk of getting fucking banned from Steam for that. But come on, dude. It's so close. Yeah. Capcom gave you the tester. In fact, most AAA studios these days don't even bother with a full-fledged demo. So much respect to the ones that do. I'm going to say, we sat down with quite the demo. Oh, buddy boy. Okay, so full disclosure, I definitely played it on PS4. Mm-hmm. I actually streamed it. Check that out. Yep. Twitch.tv, Red Herb. Go for it. And I didn't stream it over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. I did it very locally uh, in the midnight hour with Kevin on my floor. Yes. And then I downloaded it for my Xbox today and played it again. And then I also watched it on YouTube. And then, like you said, I sat on your floor and watched it. It was the silliest, most endearing thing. I was just, I was playing Tetris. And then you asked me if I was going to play the demo. And I was like, probably not. Like, we're two weeks out. I'll just wait for the full game. But then I was interested and I went to go download it. And you like, you gave me this kind of like sheepish boyish look. You're like, can I watch you play it? And I'm just like, I was kind of weirded out. And I was like, well, yeah, you can watch me play it. I wasn't it. trying to make you uncomfortable. I, just, I guess I wasn't expecting it. But I just thought if you were going to play it, I depo wanted to sit and watch it. That's all. So, Daniel, do I have to illustrate it? Save roommates, do I have to illustrate? I love this game. You do. I've played, well, technically an hour of it. And I love it before it's even in my fucking hands completely. It is great. It is great. It is great. We are, of course, going to do like a full-fledged review episode once both you and me pound mm-hmm. through the game. So I don't want to get like too impression heavy with it, but just super high level. It plays amazingly. It's fantastic. It like, feels great. If you have an Xbox, PC, or PlayStation, I highly recommend down- downloading this demo before it ends. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's available now until the end of the month. God damn it. Can you... I'm, I'm, I'm rather more interested because you didn't play the original game. No. Right? What did this demo do for you? A lot, actually. It was oh, really? it was probably one of the most graphically impressive demos I've ever seen. And disgusting. And disgusting. I saw no less than two disembowelments. <laughs> it was wild. The level of detail in that alone was crazy. It, it was interesting seeing, you know, kind of Leon wet behind the ears on his first day of the job, coming across these things, the way he reacts with it. Like, you were telling me, like... You love getting to watch me and see people stream and do this and that because, like, of the variation, the voice lines, how he reacts to the zombies and what's happening to him. Yeah, he literally goes through and saying shit like, what the hell? Or if he misses a shot, he, like, he fucking curses under his breath. He's like, god damn it. And he goes, are you kidding me? And shit like that. He reacts realistically to what's happening to him. It's so fucking cool, Mm -hmm. dude. No, it was 
it was a really, really cool demo. And just the amount of detail that you can already see from that that's going to be pushed into the full effort. Like, when you're shooting zombies, like, damage that they take stays with them. It's very, like, dead spacey in that approach, whereas, like, you know, you can hack yeah. off limbs. They'll keep coming at you, but all that damage taken remains on them, and it makes them more gruesome and the encounter's more terrifying. The, the game's <laughs> graphics, it's so slimy and wet it's, everywhere. Yeah. It's RE7's uh, photogrammetry carried over. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. The other note that I'll make about it, especially for people that are familiar with the original it's not a one-for-one one of the original game so certain wings are there and they're familiar to where they should be the lobby of course is a lobby but then it has these variances i'm walking through and i'm like oh whoa it's getting unfamiliar really quick and that's really cool how they expand it both for realism and just for ease of play and making it intriguing again mm -hmm. I think it's going to be special for both fans of the original and people that have never fucking engaged with the series before. Well, this is your onboarding point. I would say it was definitely special for me and then even for you where it's like, whoa, this is what I remember but not. And it's got to yes. be such a cool like treatment to see that they put so much care and thought into it and like almost like redesign the entire philosophy of the game. Fucking want it in my hands. It's so it's so cool. I like the, the third person perspective. I was telling you, I feel like it's a lot less tanky than yeah. I remember some of the other Yeah, you said you were kind of surprised that it was a little more um, kind of heightened play, faster, yeah, fast pace. I, I guess coming from RE7, where like there felt like there was a lot of weight to everything I did oh, because yeah. it's fixed to the first person perspective, mm -hmm. obviously, and it's it's tanky in that regard. But like I just I would turn to shoot, and I'm like, whoa, I'm going a lot more faster. My reticle right. is taking a lot less time to center. And what, to kind of make up for the fact that you have this heightened mobility in comparison mm -hmm. to the original is that the zombies are fucking tough. Mm. They are like sharks. They will continue to follow you and just hound you until you put them out. And they are bullet sponges. So you got to be careful. Yeah, I was being pursued like nothing else. Yeah. But I would say the demo is pretty gratuitous about giving you a lot of ammo to yeah, kind of true. survive these encounters. Yeah, that's true. So what did it do for you otherwise? It fucking made me want it right now. You rarely see me like super excited about a thing. Mm -hmm. I am definitely excited about this fucking game. I am very gratified that the demo itself is great. It gives me just the right snippet to make me go, yo, you have done a brilliant job with remaking this. Mm -hmm. You know, we always talk about remakes where it's not necessarily about just remaking what people remember, but remaking the expectation of what people remember of it, you know? Mm -hmm. How they formed it in their head being this like grandiose, scary thing. And they brought it back to that level with so many tricks of the trade, the way that they use lighting and shadows mm -hmm. and sound and all of it. It is going to be a brilliant fucking game. Oh my god! I think so too. It, it was a very impressive vertical slice in terms of like graphics. That's encounters. a good industry term, right vertical there. Vertical slice, guy. yeah, and yeah. like the the performances from like uh, what Marvin and Leon, like the the voice acting is really great. It's really fucking good. I was surprised. And that, there's a trailer at the end. If you beat it, I love that. I finally get the kind of lines that I wanted that the originals. You have Claire going like, "I'll get you, you fucker!" Yeah, and I'm just like, "Oh yes, dude, we're about fucking thirteen days away." Oh, buddy boy, oh. Well, hopefully I don't wrong anybody and get fucking killed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have, like, something you're really waiting for and you're just like, man, I hope I don't die stupidly, it's Final Destination style, before yeah. it comes out? I was gonna say, for me, that would be Deathly Hallows Part yeah. 2. I was waiting for that. There was a whole, like, year gap where I'm like, God, I hope nothing horrible happens You're to looking me. up for anvils and yeah. piano drops and whatnot, yeah. And I guess yeah. currently that's me with uh, Infinity War Endgame. Like, I have to know how that ends. Give me <laughs> three to. months, you can kill have me after. To, please, please. <laughs> Russo's! Okay, uh, next thing I got in here is some more Capcom shit for you, but this 
This one actually surprised me. Capcom's 2019 Switch surge continues with the announcement that Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen will be arriving on the Nintendo Switch April 23rd. Uh, the Dark Arisen edition features all DLC, including the Bitter Black Isle dungeon, and it'll let you use its online features without a Nintendo Switch online subscription. And best of all, it's only 30 bucks. It's a good price point. Holy fucking shit. I don't know too much about Dragon's Dogma. What <laughs> what did those games play like? Um, I Well, there's technically only one. Okay. Dark Arisen is just kind of like the super edition of it that they released on... Uh, well, they first released it on PS3. Sorry, this is confusing. The game came out on PS3 and 360. Then they re-released it because it actually did well in 2012 as Dark Arisen. And then they re-re-released it on PS4 and Xbox One. And now it's re-re-re-releasing on the fucking Switch. Okay. There we okay. go. The history of DD. Um, It is... Japan's take on a Western RPG is the best way to put it. It's, oh, okay. It's them trying to, like, you know, kind of strike a similar nerve as Skyrim, witchery sort of feel, but it's very Eastern in its mythology mm -hmm. and how the combat encounters work. And there's a pawn system where you have, like, companions come with you. It's very cool. Some of the story is, like, out of whack because it's, it's goofy here and there and sometimes over the top, but the gameplay itself is so, so sound. It is fun. It, it lets you climb all over monsters, dude, and fucking hack at them. Like, you're climbing on a giant iguana monster's back. So imagine Monster Hunter if you're just, like, doing that constantly doing that shadow of the colossus yeah like matching shit. a mashup of shadow of the colossus uh -huh. and monster hunter world it's exactly that and cool 30 bucks dude yeah do you think it's gonna speak to a western audience do you think like this will have a a resurgence on the switch maybe on the switch for sure it's already made a splash for us mm -hmm. but you know it, it, it i feel like it's still considered cult i'm hoping that you get it on the switch like the massive exodus of all video games that came out a couple of years mm -hmm. ago are suddenly coming back from the dead on the switch I think it might do well, for sure. Especially at this price point. I was surprised that it wasn't, like, at 40 But, I mean, it's a fucking 2012 game, dude. What was I? <laughs> well, that comes out April 23rd, so I've got time to pique my interest there. Shit, that's the same day as Mortal Kombat. Ooh. You can buy it from, buy it from me for my birthday. You, you want me to buy you Dragon's Dogma? You can buy me the DD. Roommates, I'm going to give them the DD. The DDD Arisen. <laughs> <laughs> We got another thing on here for you because we have so much fucking episode. <laughs> it's a lot of content. Listen, we we really we gave you so much <laughs> game talk. We want to give you the game news. We want to keep you guys current. I will not falter. I just I've fallen before. You look weathered already. <laughs> Do I look weathered already? Yeah. No, no. D D D arisen. <laughs> <laughs> Number five on here, From Software has revealed new gameplay details for Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Speaking with Game Informer, we learned that, well, one, since there isn't classes, you cannot allocate stats to create character builds as you do in Dark Souls, you know, the wizard and the knight and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Instead, you spend experience points on three different skill trees, a shinobi tree, a samurai tree, and a tree dedicated to your prosthetic arm. Here's a catch. You have to find in-game items to unlock these skill trees. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that kind of interesting? They uh, they actually asked Miyazaki, uh, who's directing the game, whether or not those are missable, mm -hmm. and he refused to re like respond to that. <laughs> Crack wow. me up. Yeah, right. So it makes me believe that there there's a possibility that one of them might be easy to find, but uh -huh. the other two could be missable. Yeah, like what the fuck. Anyway, <laughs> so experience and gold is earned from killing enemies, but in a huge shakeup for a FromSoft game. You like that? My abbreviation sounds I like off. that. Yeah, that's pretty good. You don't lose experience points when you die. Let me let me say that again for the for the kids in the back of the room. You do not lose experience points when you die in this game. So the whole soul death corpse system is not 
back. This isn't a Soulsborne game. I want my old Miyazaki back. <laughs> they've, been tr- they've been trying to say that for months. Exactly. They're like, this, this game that you think is Dark Souls is not Dark Souls because it's not Dark Souls. It's fundamentally different. And then people are like, yeah, it's Dark Souls-y, huh? <laughs> and then getting mad at the things that aren't Dark Souls mm-hmm. about it. Now, that's not even the biggest revelation, Daniel. This is. Sekiro has a pause button. Thank fucking God. <laughs> I, I love the Soulsborne games, but it's so frustrating that like it's always going, always live. If I bring open my like items or looking at my stats, the game's going. I could get fucking mauled while I'm looking at my stones. I hate having to tuck into a corner when I want to check Twitter real quick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, is there no mod? And then look up and see my guy dead <laughs> on the ground. It was frustrating because I was streaming a lot of Bloodborne towards the end of my, my Platinum journey, and I was in the Chalice Dungeons for some of that, and like things are constantly coming at you <laughs> yeah. in the Chalice Dungeons, and I'm like, I want to check the chat, but I can't pause the game. What a what a huge innovation FromSoft did, man. Mm-hmm. A pause button in a game. You can, you can pause the action with a single button press they're going soft on us (laughs) they're going (laughs) i don't know if i like it that's the gamers will be upset no i this game looks super interesting i think the thing that they're they're pushing is that this is not an action rpg in the same way that previous from software games are this is more of an action adventure with rpg elements Mm -hmm. there is a distinction and you get to play the distinction but of course there is that familiarity the difficulty is still there Although, from what I understand, they said that uh, Activision, who's publishing this, one of their mandates for this game was that they needed to dial back on the difficulty that FromSoft is known for. Okay. And that is definitely a statement that's going to put some frowns on some clowns. Okay? Interesting. Yeah. I think Activision wants it to be a big commercial success, and uh-huh. I think by making the ease of play a little more accessible, you get more people on board with it. I, I honest from a, a business standpoint, yeah, that makes sense. I think that... But Activision is known for kind of stepping on the toes of the hardcore in different ways. In Mm. fact, we got a story later about that shit. Oh, we're going to get into that. Next one on here, Nintendo has officially killed the sexy 2018 fever dream known as Bowsette. It was announced last year that the Switch version of the new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe would feature an item called a Super Crown that would turn the character Toadette into a Princess Peach-like character called Peachette. Fans <laughs> went crazy over the idea and took to their respective fan art and fanfics, imagining the crown on various characters. From the flames, Bowsette was born, a dominatrix version of Peach, which awakens something within us all. <laughs> Nintendo, what? however, does this... <laughs> Nintendo, however, has decided to make 2019 far less sexy for us. On the official website for new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, they state that only Toadette can wear the Super Crown. Quote, when Toadette finds one of these, she can transform into the super-powered Peachette. Sorry, Luigi, only Peachette can use this item. I'm sorry, excuse me, what? How are we going to drag Luigi like that out of nowhere? He, right? he wasn't a part of this discussion, Nintendo. And he's already been through so much. Leave him alone. God, you seriously. Anyway. <laughs> Bowsette, Boozette, Chompette, and other imaginings are now officially considered <laughs> to not be approved by Nintendo and are sadly not canon. I'm sorry, I've never heard those. <laughs> <laughs> no, we talked about those before. <laughs> we, we, For sure. We've said Chompette before. Yeah. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. Um, it's a sexy chain chomp. Trust me, yeah. it, it, there's images in my head. <laughs> Damn you, Reggie. At least we still have Rule 34. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they, they really... I remember seeing something about this, like, oh, Nintendo officially confirmed this, and then seeing people's reaction going like, okay, Nintendo, that's cute, honey, but fuck you. My canon is the only canon. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, the gamers are fucking rising up against everyone, even Nintendo. They're going to don their Koopa shells and go in for war. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Damn, it reminds me of the, the Great Kong War of the 1970s. Remember that one? 
I don't, but I think you you tweeted something about it once. Well, let me just put it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Funky Kong was normal Kong before the war. <laughs> <laughs> now he's grizzled. I'd seen some things, Kong. <laughs> a little funky these days, yeah. okay? What do you think about this? Are you upset that Nintendo's trying to stamp out everyone's horny? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. It's it is what it is. Um, I I love that we got a, a few weeks of fun with some Nintendo IP, and I like that Nintendo had fun with it in in Stroke. Like they're like, okay, cool, yeah, we'll feed into a little bit. We're gonna put it into our concept art for uh, what was it, Super Mario Odyssey? Okay, people loved it, and now to walk back on it, it's like it's whatever. It's a little cowardly, you know. Just own up to it. It's Let a little out. coward. Those are the big words. You and Soldier Boy have something in common now. <laughs> I'm not gonna say Nintendo could suck my dick. But you know what? Bowser be a thing. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes it's like that. Yeah, it'd be like that sometimes. Uh, okay. I, it just reminds me of something. Mm. I'm reading that book, Console Wars, yeah. that talks about Sega going against Nintendo in the 1990s. Severe, save from recommendation, by the way. Uh, the original concept art for Sonic the Hedgehog was him with like fangs and sunglasses and a fucking leather jacket, <laughs> and he's surrounded by babes. Big breasted babes, by the way. Holy shit. And I'm just thinking, like, man, Nintendo's trying to fucking put out the fire in everyone's pants while Sega was trying to light it. <laughs> we need Sega to rise to prominence and bring back the horny and video games that Nintendo won't let us fucking have. We want to fuck that hedgehog. We, we want, want it fast. We want to fuck that hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, but, but not the creepy, muscled version that uh, we've only seen Cloverfield-esque glimpses of. <laughs> oh my god. I saw it up close when I went to go see uh, Into the Spider-Verse, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> the, the, the fucking poster with the yeah. legs hanging out on, oh the, on the bridge? Yeah, no. Oh my god. If I squeeze my eyes tight enough, I see those legs in each behind each eyelid. <laughs> moving on next thing on here thq nordic's industry-wide shopping spree continues their latest acquisition is outcast a beloved sci-fi action adventure ip that i've never heard of the first game developed and released by a studio called appeal in 1999 stars cutter slade a forming a former navy seal that ends up stranded on an alien planet Really hate it when that happens. In 2017, that was such a podcaster thing to do. <laughs> I just want to point that out. How inconvenient. <laughs> right. <laughs> and now, for a word from our sponsors. In 2017, Appeal released a remake that I also never heard of called Outcast Second Contact. Hmm. I almost said Outlast. As with most of THQ's middleware purchases, they haven't actually announced what they intend on doing with Outlast or oh shit outcast. outcast ip outcast marks a 40th acquisition since their buying spree began last year what the fuck what are they trying to do <sighs> we, we've talked about this before i originally uh positioned that it is probably some sort of tax scheme mm-hmm. that they're just buying up all of this ip because we don't know about some complicated law from 1932 that allows them to like i don't know become a monopoly if they have enough fucking ips under their belt i I don't know what it is. And then today you're like, well, maybe somebody over at THQ Nordic is going for a Guinness World Record. Exactly. Most acquisitions in a calendar exactly. year. Exactly. Could you imagine? Oh, we're the first publisher that has 200 IPs under our belt. And it's like, okay, did you make, how many games did you make out of that? Three and a half. <laughs> what? What? One of them's in early access. This is insane to me. They barely put out Darksiders 3 last year. Or they did, and it was to, like, very minimal applause. To have 40 acquisitions, like, how do you even get enough people simultaneously working on these to make them success? 
all of these purchases are questionable in some regard or another. Now, okay, I'll give them Kingdoms of Am- Amalar. Sometimes they get something where it's like, oh yeah, that mm. was actually a cool thing back in the day. Died for a while. Darksiders was the same way. But they fucked Darksiders from all accounts. It's it's just kind of a middling Dark Souls ripoff. Mm-hmm. Much more than Sekiro is going to be. <laughs> and... I have no faith in them. I have no faith in them for them to make another announcement. Like, oh, we picked up, like, oh, name a dead IP. F- fucking Vigilante 8. We're going to make <laughs> Vigilante 8 slash Carmageddon. We're going to do that. It's coming to iOS. And it's like they fucking shit these things out into the market and makes a few dollars for them. Is it just the investment level where it's like, hey, we bought it for nothing and it made us a little money? Profit. What is it? I mean, you have to imagine they bought all these for dirt cheap. I don't know if yeah. there was a fucking like auction for game IPs and like somebody's in the front row buying them all up, but they <laughs> they can't possibly do anything with all of these. Like, <laughs> I feel like they would legit have to like cherry pick a few. Like, okay, yeah. these are going to be successful. There's going to be some some murmurings about these that we'll get some return on, but there's no way they can turn around forty IPs. No, I just don't see it. Or some of these acquisitions, it, they're just fucking, it's record keeping at this point. They're not mm-hmm. going to actually do anything with it. That's what I submit. I submit that they just have it to have it. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Stop it. Let some of these into the into the either where they either deserve to die because they're no longer fashionable mm-hmm. or relevant. Or let somebody who has a cool idea actually do something. I don't know that I like the fact that they have Kingdoms of Amalar. Okay. Yeah, like you said, I don't know if I trust them with it. Or, 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 buy Dead Space. No. Build back Visceral. (laughs) Listen, there are a lot of studios we need to make that happen, and I don't think THQ Nordic is one of them. But no, 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 THQ, I got an idea for... Mm -hmm. Make a mark. Shoot the shot. Fucking get... As much money from your middleware crap projects as possible, accumulate it, go after an actual IP, and put all of your chips at the center of the fucking table for it. My vote is, go get said space, because EA's never going to do anything with it. They're not. Go get it. They're going to let go that get shit it. die hard. Go get it. I know I said I didn't trust UTHQ, and I still don't, but sometimes there's some publishers out there that are a necessary evil. <laughs> Stop puzzling us and do something worthwhile. Please. Just... I'm tired of headlines where it's like, oh yeah, we, f- we we found this IP in someone's closet. Literally, like, every week, <laughs> it was always a new thing. THQ Nordic picked up this property and this. They got Carmageddon. They like, got oh my gosh. If anything, it served as a history lesson for me of games that have lived and died. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are they putting together a book? <laughs> <laughs> also, like, can they resell these IPs? Like, I would imagine. If I, a bigger company came along and was like, hey, we want to offer you like 100000 for this. Yeah, if they have the rights to it, they can be like, yeah, sure, take it. Hmm. But, you know, they exhaust me. I'm starting to think about it, and it just exhausts me. I <laughs> want to know what the actual game here is, man. Maybe the game is this. <laughs> <laughs> They're in their own fucking metagame right now. Exactly. Okay. It is, it is a billionaire's, like, kind of agreement. And maybe some sort of, like, bets that's happening behind the scenes that we just don't understand from the offset and won't for very many years. I feel like, if anything, we would need to see a rival company be buying, like, properties left and right, too. We don't need another THQ. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need the vacuum of the video game industry any longer. <laughs> fucking sucking up all the dust that the rest of the industry let go by the wayside i'm tired of it oh next thing on here blizzard confirms soldier 76 is gay 
In a new short story set in the Overwatch universe entitled Bestet, Blizzard confirmed that Jack Morrison, also known as the Soldier 76, is the second LGBTQ character in the series, following Tracer. In the story, a conversation between Jack and his ally Anna, Ka- Anna <laughs> kicks off when the Overwatch leader is found staring at an old photo of himself and a former love named Vincent. Anna prods whether or not Jack is keeping a candle lit for his old uh, for his old flame, but the grizzled soldier replies, quote, He got married. They're very happy. I'm happy for him. End quote. That was my best uh, soldier, was good. by the way. Yeah, give me, like give me a stay frosty. Stay frosty. Good. That was good. Yeah, you like that, really? Yeah. We're all soldiers now. No, I can't do that one. I, I sound I, I sound like a parody at that one. I got my sights on you. <laughs> I could do a good Tim Allen, but that's for later. Uh, oh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. My Tim Allen's nothing compared to yours. <laughs> I'm going to buy the rights to your Tim Allen. I'm having a crisis. <laughs> anyway. This podcast is off the rails already. He then makes a cliche that's that life's not for people like us declaration ripped out straight out of an action movie, mm. essentially. I love it when they do that, which is like, people like us don't deserve a life like that. <laughs> that kind of shit. It's, it's fucking hilarious. Anyway, just to clear up any confusion, Overwatch's lead writer, Michael Chu, shared on Twitter, quote, Jack and Vincent were in a romantic relationship many years ago. Both identify as gay, end quote. Give me your thoughts. Uh, my thoughts are it's it's cool. I don't mind them, you know, going back through their canon and lore and like writing these bits into Soldier's arc or even the stuff they did with Tracer. I think it's cool. Mm. I gotta wonder if it was there in their minds from the beginning or if it's kind of a reactionary thing. I don't know if they could have like gone out the gate with like, hey, we got two gay characters in this game. I don't know if like that would have like harmed their sales, but like if this is something they want to do as an afterthought, I think it's cool, you know. Yeah, I there's nothing wrong with fleshing out the characters. And, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, let's put it out there too. There's nothing wrong with being gay. Okay, kids. I know there's a few people that are just like, no, 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 no. They, they always start the conversation like this online, which is, I have a gay friend. Okay, I have no problem with gay people, but and it's like everything after that just seems like the stuff before it stopped mattering, mm-hmm. huh? You know, their opinion, the opinion on this is like, like, why are you doing this? Why does it matter? And I'll say it over and over again. Representation does matter because mm-hmm. it matters to somebody out there. Especially in a game like Overwatch, which is like one of the most popular esports games, one of the most mm-hmm. popular multiplayer games. Like people look up to these characters, look up to uh, Blizzard and what they've done here. And it, it only sets a good standard for the industry and for other game developers. I feel like mm-hmm. when we see these kind of vitriolic reactions to uh, announcements like this, mm-hmm. It tells me that there isn't enough representation in the industry because when it pops up, it is such a fucking like flag for people mm-hmm. that it's it means it's not normalized. It's not it's not common enough. I know? mean, we for sure have like a few characters here and there. I mean, we have Ellie and Tracer respectively who are lesbian characters. Of course, but of course. I don't know of too many like gay male video game protagonists. I don't I can't think of any really. Actually, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat there, you know? And that that's why this is a good thing you know because like you just like you said oh, we have a few mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but we need more like you said representation matters mm-hmm. and like if if people can look up to these characters for a reason like other than like oh they're cool and more like oh i ident- i identify with them and let that empower them i think that's really neat what do you say to the argument that uh why okay essentially why should a character's sexuality matter i mean i think you could look at a lot of properties over time you could look at stuff that jk rowling is retroactively done with like um 
Harry Potter lore. It's like, why does this stuff matter? <laughs> like, well, like the disappearing poop, disappearing poops, or like, oh, you know, there there were black students or Jewish students at Hogwarts. Yeah. I think this stuff does matter because you have a wide demographic of viewers or players attached to these things, and they're looking to feel not just an active participant in like the properties that they're taking part of, but like they want to feel like it, you know, speaks to them on another level. And I think that's. I think that's cool. If your your art or your medium can like speak to people and empower them, why not do it? I don't think it heightens the game experience for me or really matters at the end of the day in terms of like an online shooter, but like I think it matters mm-hmm. to the people who are gay or, you know, have need to be represented rather. Mm-hmm. I I think, you know, not not to make an argument where it's like, "Oh, all of my my fiction needs to be realistic," but in order to make a believable world, it needs to be like relatable to the one that I live in to mm-hmm. a certain extent. That's not always true in some media, but it helps, right? You know? So reality would reflect the fact that there are people of different creeds and mm-hmm. different sexualities. And so to have that represented in the game, it further illustrates like, yeah, no, this is <laughs> this is an accurate representation of my time. Because that's what art does. Mm-hmm. It is literally like a putty stamp of a newspaper, but for a specific time period. Mm-hmm. So to have characters that are straight white superheroes, or to be the generic default, essentially, mm-hmm. kind of tells me that, yeah, that's not really reflective of how the world is. No, I don't think it was accurate in the beginning of video games, and it sure as hell isn't accurate now. I think like any medium needs to evolve over time and be more mm-hmm. inclusive and speak to the life that it is drawn from. And I mean, you put it far more eloquently than I could have, but like, no, I, I agree. Oh, it's okay. I, I, I wrote that out actually. I, it's all written on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, man. You don't script your responses no more? <laughs> no, not anymore. You gave me weird looks when yeah. I did, but, um, for a game that doesn't have much narrative to it, they've gone so far as to flesh out the lore through their, you know, animated shorts or the comics and this and that. And, like, they really have the ability mm-hmm. to do whatever they want with it. And I think they're doing great things with it. They could fucking dick around the lore, but they're like, you know what? Let's tell important stories. Let's tell right. things that are going to speak to our community and our fan because we have a wide demographic of people that play Overwatch and, you know, love this IP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, just because Soldier's gay, just because you play him, it doesn't make you gay. If it doesn't apply to you, don't worry about it. Really Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. Still love the game. Still play it the way you play it. Still get pissed about the loot boxes. Still praise Jeff when he does good things. Yeah. If you don't don't think it should matter, then it shouldn't matter to you. Exactly. You know? There you go. Thank you, Daddy Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) We got one last quick hit on here. PlayStation 4 has hit a new hardware milestone. It seems the holidays were good to Sony this year. According to Sony Interactive Entertainment, the 2018 holiday season saw the PS4 sell a whopping 5.6 million units. As of December 31st, 2018, this put the system at a landmark 91.6 million units sold globally in its lifetime, making it the most sold console this generation. The PS4 has officially outsold the PS3, which saw lifetime sales of approximately 83.8 million. While the system continues to be a juggernaut this generation, it remains to be seen whether it will outsell the 155 million units that the PS2 sold over its lifetime. Mm. This begs the more important question by Kevin, though. What? If you stack all 91.6 million units on top of one another, how tall would it be? Oh, I did ask that. You did. I got stoned a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think Maz answered it on, on Twitter. But again, that's still assuming that they're all almost relatively the same size. Mm-hmm. No, there's slim units, the original units, pro and the units. pro units. Yeah. We need to know how many are actually out there, get the physical count, and then we can get that number of how tall these motherfuckers would be stacked. Okay? Okay, I'm just saying. 
I tried to crunch the numbers for you. I did some good work. I think it was like a, a couple thousand miles. Yeah, we, we did some averages and shit, and I think we applied a TP90 to that. But it, 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 I need to know really, though. Maybe it's one of those things where you got to ask, what's that guy at the gate of heaven? David? Gabriel? What's his name? Oh, my God. You think I, he, yeah, wh- whatever. That fucking angel Paul? son of a bitch. Paul? Steven? Anyway, <laughs> one of the fucking members. Yeah, he's going to open up the book and be like, here's your fucking Red Dead score score sheet for your entire life. <laughs> and, oh, here's some outstanding questions that I believe that you had, Mr. Kevin. Um, one of them being... <laughs> How tall with the 90 fucking, what is the number? 91.6 million. 91.6 million goddamn units be if you stack them on top of each other. And I'll be like, neat. How many times did I jack off in my life? And I'll be like, hang on. And it rolls out as a scroll. <laughs> as tall as the PlayStations. <laughs> anyway. Hey, what do you think of this? You think uh, it's going to outsell the PS2? <laughs> I think the PS2 was different time, different place, obviously. The, the reason that sold as much as it did was, I mean, it it was a lot of people's first DVD players. Bingo, bingo. Like, I, I bought it as a DVD player in a PlayStation. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it was a 50-50. Um, we all did. Exactly. People had it just to have it just for that reason. Much like yeah. now, when people buy, like, PS3s and PS4s, they might just use it for, like, Netflix streaming or this and that. Mm-hmm. I think it has some time to catch up. I don't know that it'll outsell it, though. I, it might come close. I could see mm-hmm. it probably selling, like... 130 to 140 million in its lifespan like i don't think that's i think yeah i think that's i think that's realistic yeah the ps2 it was an oddity because like it just shows you strike at the right time Mm. with the right product and you're gonna see some shit i mean look at the wii for instance it did the exact same thing man. it's true fucking leveled the playing field and everyone was like we need to catch up to them and then it turned out it was like oh oh no it literally was just a product of its time it Mm -hmm. it didn't really last with (laughs) with people in their mind i guess too it depends on how long sony continues to Mm. support the ps4 after the ps5 launches like you'll get like crazy well you'll get kind of weird weak iterative titles here and there you'll get like a fifa game or an nba game or a lego game yeah oh this is still coming out just dance 2021 on the (laughs) ps4 so we'll get stuff like that for a while i don't know if those are big enough reasons to sell consoles but like yo i i I gotta tell you the the seasons that happen when the overlap of a new console in the previous generation, mm-hmm. like watching the death throes of the previous console are just the like like you said, I walked in like, man, like I'm Madden. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad, but I, I I hope the PS4 gets an eloquent like you know swan song. It needs one more big game to be like, all right peace y'all <laughs> i hope so i hope it's one of the major pillar yeah. exclusives that they've been fucking showcasing here and there it, it's been one of my favorite consoles of all time to be honest with you yeah I, I feel like i've put a lot of good game time good quality game time with it so many good times with it <sighs> sorry i'm getting wistful how You're are you doing wistful i think for me, this is going to be an egregious statement, but I feel like the PS3 still like outshines it for me for little reasons. Really? Why? I was just really drawn to the catalog and library of games in terms of like exclusives and like third party stuff. I don't know. It just had a really robust library. For me, like you know, the PS4, I mean, it's amazing, but like I haven't felt the need to play every single PS4 game quite like I did every PS3 game. You know. I think I feel you on that. I do feel you on it's that. It's weird. You know? It's a weird sentiment. Granted, yeah. I, the PS4 has had the best performing games, some of the best stories I've played, but, you know, it's just... 
I think there is a depth of uh, variety that, you know, because games nowadays are so expensive and hard to make, mm -hmm. that we're kind of seeing the same ones repeat. You know, there's been many Assassin's Creed's and many Call of Duties, and then some of those more experimental things, like, they don't... They don't seem to have flourished as much as, like, you know, we got Tokyo Jungle on fucking PS3 and mm -hmm. all these other titles. They're just like, what is this? Or El Shaddai is a good example on PS3. No one would put money behind that idea these days. You know, they, they, they struggle to make that kind of shit happen still. And I feel like PS3 was definitely that playing ground. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We I got know. interesting little experiments here and there. Yeah, it was that's a, true. It was a cool time. Granted, like the PS3 was around for way longer than we thought because of like the recession and stuff like this. Uh huh. That's true. So it had time to. Yeah. Oh yeah. D just to reiterate for you, uh, <laughs> for you folks out there, ten years is not a normal console cycle mm -hmm. for its lifespan. That is not normal. If five years is the average. I think we're gonna get seven before they shut the doors on PS4 and within year six mm. that is what that's when we're gonna see the ps5 re revealed for sure yeah but mm. i think 91 million units over the span of five years is really impressive and i think it's it going to be the most successful console of this generation followed up second by the switch the switch has been successful in so many regards that's true the fastest selling nintendo console of all time it's just crazy what that system's done but through and through this generation PS4 and Sony are, are the kings. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the kings of it. I wonder if they're going to get that again. I feel like Xbox might have something like a real right hook cooking. I hope they do. We'll see. For the next generation with Xbox One, Two. Mm. Anaconda. <laughs> the Anaconda. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but we shall see if Sony can like continue that momentum. If they do... That's a fucking hell of a success story. I hope so. I hope they keep it going because, like, a healthy Sony, a healthy Xbox, healthy Nintendo, like, it's only good for the gaming ecosystem and only creates good products in the end. That's true. Good for the gamers, though. You know, good for those gamers. Well, I mean, we're gonna just give them more reason to bitch, but whatever. That is true. We need to stop making games. Let's <laughs> let's fucking halt production on the goddamn video games so nobody bitches anymore. Now. We're going to walk away from negativity. You remember how I had that one segment on the show? Like, I think I called it Good Gamer or some shit like yeah. that. You know how I start things and just, like, never follow up with them? <laughs> well, I have converted Good Gamer into feel-good article of the week, my friend. <laughs> oh, my God. Never doubt me again. So the article that you should be reading is Fortnite streamer's friend gives him $75,000 donation, which is written by Nathan Grayson. You can find that on Kotaku to give you some highlights or a little up to speed about it. Apparently there's a streamer out there named King Mascot. He donated $75,000 to fellow streamer Exotic Chaotic because he wanted to help him out during a financially stressful time. Exotic Chaotic's on-air reaction was, dude, what is that shit? <laughs> I mean, I would probably be in a similar state. Yeah. King Mascot had some cash to spare because he invested in Bitcoin and spends his time day trading. He admits it was pretty difficult working with PayPal to make a one-time donation of that size. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what does it look like a drug deal? What, what is the concern? It probably really? looks a little suspicious from the onset, but... It, it is a glut of money to be uh, sending off and what, like, it looks like a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Didn't you mean to, to shave off some zeros Yeah, there? it should have just been 7500 not 75000 I, I don't think your utilities were that high, this month <laughs> this is crazy yeah. awesome though yeah that's pretty fucking awesome right there i i like hearing these stories man i like this kind of like support and stuff and uh some of the stuff that i didn't have on here is that 
so this guy has been, uh, I'm sorry, his name is uh, Exotic Chaotic. He does some like competitions and all that, and he gets a little money there, but he ran into some car troubles, and his girlfriend right now is the one that's working out of the two of them to support both of them. That's kind of, that's been stressful for them, but my dude's like trying to pursue his passion, mm-hmm. essentially. So to have this guy King Mascot, you truly have become a king. I got some questions for King Mascot. Yes. How do you get into day trading? How do you get into day trading? Like, I hear that people are day traders by by professional. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Okay. You have to learn stocks and watch stocks. Okay. And kind of take educated guesses depending on the fluctuations of the market. It's really fucking boring. Okay. It's fucking boring. But it'll get you super rich. I know the terms bear market and bull market, so I guess I'm... I got something to start with. Fantastic. Cool. Do you think they involve real bears or bulls? I can only hope. Okay, you passed the test. (laughs) (laughs) Let us get into what is the top news, okay? Few things happen. This one gets a bigger shout out just because I have a love for anything to do with xenomorphs or creatures that have double mouths. I learned that about myself. What's this your year. favorite double-mouthed creature? Well, it's a xenomorph, but beyond that, it's that weird fucking fish that's underneath the the sea. I forget its name. It's horrible looking. It's got that. It's got that situation though of that double-mouthed thing. The anglerfish? Is it an angler? Maybe. I thought the anglerfish was was with the bulb. Yeah, on it's got a bulb. It's got a bulb. Mm-hmm. Apparently, those fish are actually way bigger than we think. Mm-hmm. Like somebody showed and was like, "Hey, by the way, they're like the size of a fucking like bike." <laughs> no, those are the female ones. The male ones are usually the small ones. You say what the, the fuck, dude? Head. Oh, it's horrific. It's crazy. You think anyone's ever been attacked from an anglerfish? Yeah. This is a good question. <laughs> Save room asks the good questions. Top news number one. <laughs> Turns out Alien Blackout is a mobile game. Amanda Ripley is back. Except she isn't back in a sequel to 2014's Alien Isolation. She returns as a part of Fox Nets, or sorry, Fox Next. That's hard. They need to change it. Two X's, not good. <laughs> Fox Next hashtag read, play, watch initiative that injects Ripley's daughter into different media that invites fans to read, play, or watch her continued fight against the aliens. Alien Blackout is, and this is official copy, <laughs> quote a premium survival horror mobile game developed by rival games in theory interactive end quote hmm. it's coming to android and ios ripley 2 as i'm calling her is trapped aboard another Wayland yutani space station being terrorized by hr geiger's famed dick monster you're tasked with using the station's emergency controls to navigate your crew to safety it's sort of like five nights at freddy's but it won't make chuck e cheese's lawyers nervous <laughs> fans expecting a full-fledged sequel to isolation however don't like the cornbread that's a reference. It's a reference. Let's just say that announcing a mobile title in lieu of a sequel hasn't worked out in the past. <laughs> Fox insists the game is not intended as a sequel to Isolation and serves as a standalone game that just happens to star Amanda Ripley. Hmm. Meanwhile, Cold Iron Studios is still developing an alien game of their own for PC and consoles that is also not an Isolation sequel, but an MMO shooter. Somehow. I don't know how that works, but they're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Really, I'm just imagining Destiny with Xenomorphs, and I'm just like, yeah, that'll do it. We need to stop hyping that idea up in our head because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's going to be so much less than that. I know mm-hmm. that. I know that. License games. Although, man, come on. There's been some great license games in the past, okay? Yeah. Great ones. We're in a new age, man. We're in an age where Middle Earth and, and the Mad oh, Max God. game and shit exist, okay? I have faith in Cold Iron. I have some faith. It might be a shit show, because that's what happens to all alien games at some point or another. But, uh, yeah, 
the funny thing about this is that I, I was reading some articles that were making it out to be like, oh, this is just like the Diablo Immortal reaction. I'm just like, yeah, let's, uh, sure, but probably on a very small scale. Very, very small scale. You were painting it earlier, like, the demographic of people who are both Aliens fans and fans of Aliens games, like, the number <laughs> is is not, it doesn't correlate at all. Like, it's a larger group of film fans that really like the alien series mm-hmm. and then when you do the overlap of how many of those fans like video games y- you whittle it down a bit so and then how many of those fans that like video games that have played any of the alien games <laughs> they probably played the ones for the super nintendo <laughs> and how many of those fans give a shit about isolation to the point to get super mad about this game that isn't isolation it's kind of low impact like it's a, it's a low impact for two people who like got their feet wet with isolation yeah. i don't know if you ever beat it no, I didn't. Okay. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Like, I, I just did not beat that one. I mean, I played it enough to enjoy it for what it was, but I didn't get too far, like I always say. But um, we we love the alien aliens properties. We had high hopes for like a, a Blackout being this cool successor, but like hearing well, that we, we thought the MMO was Blackout, mm-hmm. so we got the wires crossed on that. Okay. Everyone did. It turns out that was a coincidence. No, they had another game in store. Yeah. You know? But this this sequel, this mobile game sequel, like, yeah. it doesn't, like, incense me. It is what it is. It's fine. It is. Yeah, exactly. I think it's cool that they're trying to expand Amanda's Ripley's story across different medias. You know, not a lot of things put a smile on this beautiful face of mine, mm-hmm. Daniel, but... Let me tell you what, not getting fucked up over an announcement that doesn't hurt or affect me in any way mm-hmm. whatsoever puts a smirk on my face most days, mm-hmm. let me tell you what. And I feel like a lot more people out there need to kind of practice that discretion when they get mad at mobile games that they probably aren't going to buy anyway. That, that That's just me trying to be sensible in the new year. You can't see it, but he's patting <laughs> himself on the back for not losing a shit over this one. I didn't. I didn't lose my shit. I'm trying, man. I'm trying not to come at the gamers as hard as I used to. It's there in my head, and it's screaming. It's screaming. It sounds like bats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And any other words for Amanda Ripley? She was the protagonist in the first one in Isolation, Isolate, right? Just Isolation. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So, yeah. This ain't a sequel. This ain't a comeback, my dog. This, it's a standalone title that happens to have Ripley. Amanda. Co- comma. <laughs> comma Amanda. No, let's call it what it is. It's a premium survival horror mobile game. Yeah. Now, I don't think I have anything else to say about it. I think okay. it's, it's cool. It's a cool prospect. I love you. All right. Number two. I love here. you. <laughs> This is a big one, buddy. Bungie has regained control of its destiny. On January 10th, Bungie announced the end of their eight-year partnership with Activision and that they're securing publishing rights to their space shooting IP destiny. In a Bungie.net blog post, the Destiny dev team wrote, quote, The planned transition process is already underway in its early stages, with Bungie and Activision both committed to making sure the handoff is as seamless as possible, end quote. Kotaku's Jason Schreier, a man who writes as many exposés a year as Stephen King writes books, <laughs> says this split comes after years of tension between Bungie and Activision. The public got a glimpse at this friction last November when Activision stated during an earnings call that Destiny 2 had performed below their expectations. The game's director, Luke Smith, countered by tweeting out, quote, We are not disappointed with Forsaken. We set out to build a game that Destiny players would love, and at Bungie, we love it too. End quote. Yeah, we got we 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 saw that clash of titans. Yeah, last that was year. like not even a month ago. 
right? Schreier mentioned in his article that Bungie employees responded to the news by cheering and popping champagne. <laughs> wow. How bad must it have been Holy if they're celebrating fuck, openly? Right? Luke Smith tweeted a quote from Destiny, which doubles as Bungie's sentiment on the matter. Quote, Guardians make their own fate. End Ooh, quote. I like that. Destiny isn't the only future for the developer, by the way. Last year, the studio received 100 million motherfucking dollars from Chinese publisher NetEase to create a brand new IP. Now that's a legendary Engram. What a hell of a drop! <laughs> that, that that was a. I know that was a joke I that I had. I was feeding into it, but but I like the drop was a little bit. Better. Yeah. Fuck. Anyway, let's put my non-accomplishments aside. Bungie, Activision, Split, On Their Own Way, Destiny, it's a video game. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you at, my dog? We've obviously seen over the past two years with Destiny 2, the sort Mm -hmm. of internal tension between the two teams. Destiny apparently underperforming in Activision's eyes. Uh, Bungie being like, no, we're proud of what we put out. We want to keep supporting it. I guess maybe the numbers from Forsaken 2 didn't satisfy didn't set the, their pants on the, fire. the publisher and yeah that, that's fine that is what it is but like i think in its lifetime so far destiny 2 has sold somewhat like what 500 million dollars this is a classic struggle between creatives and business when it comes to making commercial art commercial products i should say more so and we were laughing about it because it's kind of like the dichotomy between the prince in the katamari games and then the the king of the cosmos because yep. no matter how big or beautiful of a catamari you roll up he's always like pitiful (laughs) could be better could be bigger could be faster (laughs) that's what activision was saying to destiny team man they're just like yeah okay so you fucking made a trillion but why not a trillion point one essentially that that kind of shit and that's got to be frustrating over time and that is just at the surface man behind Mm -hmm. the scenes there was probably a lot of turmoil as as they do in the video game business world mm-hmm. where, you know, they just mandates coming down the line. And I heard word that they were trying to figure out new ways to monetize destiny after it's underperformance, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yo, Luke Smith and his team, that's going to put a big fucking chip on their shoulder. I'm sure they've wanted this for a long time, but it goes back to the thing that I always wonder about when a developer gets into bed with a publisher, people like, especially on the outside, like cheer it. Like, Oh, it's so exciting. Microsoft bought up Ninja theory. Oh my God. They bought up Obsidian. That's such a great thing. And then we hear shit like this, that they can't wait to get out from underneath the thumb of their fucking oppressors. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has happened to Bungie before Yeah, with Microsoft. Yeah. They were owned by Microsoft, which is a little different. So they had a little more uh, lenience in this situation because Activision didn't actually own them. Just mm-hmm. the exclusive publishing rights to an IP that Bungie smartly said is still fucking ours. Microsoft owned everything about them. And they struggled for years to negotiate a deal to get the hell out from it. And apparently Jason notes that at that announcement, they popped champagne too. (laughs) So history repeats itself in the funniest of ways, but I do understand that the comfort and security of having funding and distribution of a major publisher is so attractive of a deal. But then we see this over and over again. What is the consequence of it, you know? So what, what do you think going forward that this is going to mean for the industry? Are we going to see more deals or are we going to see less? Are we going to see more independence or studios struggling for independence? Um, I don't think we're going to see less deals necessarily because it's like you said, these developers need to fund their projects. They want to put out the most 
sound thing that they can and you can only do that with money and sometimes the best way to do that is to make deals with bigger publishers i don't think it's uncommon <laughs> um i i definitely think this is going to be an inspirational story for maybe other developers who have been struggling in similar situations maybe we'll see more people be like hey we're succeeding we're going out we're doing our own thing um becoming independent crowdsourcing doing this and that but i don't think it's going to change too much across the industry otherwise mm-hmm. i think it's just it's a big it's an awesome moment for Bungie, who's been struggling under not only one but you know two publishers to have Activision come out and be like, Destiny over one and two has sold over like has made over one point six billion dollars. Like that's a lot of money for a kind of new IP to be making. Yeah, that's um, true. So to and it's not easy to build an IP out of nothing. No, is a very important thing to remember. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm excited to see them continue to do their thing a little more freely now. Um, it stands without reason that we're going to get Destiny 3. I don't know what shape it's going to come to us in, if it's going to mm-hmm. take longer to put out now as a result. Um, I imagine the deal they have with NetEase is a different IP altogether. Yeah, I, so that's what it sounds like, that, or that's the wording of what the announcement was for the deal. I don't know if it's going to come down to them like, okay, well, we got this NetEase money, maybe we can use some of that on Destiny 3. You know, kind of like a mm. Sega Gearbox situation. Oh, no, no, no! <laughs> but like... I, I'm interested to see how they're going to go about accomplishing their goals, and I'm excited for them. I wonder what it's also going to mean for the type of like content support mm-hmm. that it's going to get, because, um, what was it, two Activision studios were working on DLC for Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. I think it was Vicarious Visions, and maybe... Not Neversoft, but one of the other ones. It might have been Neversoft. Who knows? Because mm-hmm. I just have them as like support studios now, which okay. is sad. <laughs> but good jobs, good jobs, nonetheless. But was still. Forsaken done in house? Uh, I think so. Okay, I'm not sure. I think it's like a ebb and flow. I don't know the details, but I have to wonder: is that going to change the way that they support Destiny Two going mm-hmm. forward? Are they going to be able to come out with the same kind of big content updates, or are they even going to go in that direction of like? Because remember how I always talked about with service games, it sucks because it always seems like you have the launch game and then here's one season pass, but it turns out, oh, there's going to be multiple seasons that you got to pay for that end up being pretty pricey on their own. Forsaken mm-hmm. was what, like 40 bucks when it came out? I think so, yeah. God damn. I wonder how much of that was Activision and how much of it is just like Bus- uh, Bungie just really wanting it to be like, we don't want to put that high of a price point on it, mm-hmm. but that's what Acti has been making us do for years, you know? Because we're hearing similar stories out of Blizzard that Activision is exerting more financial control over what they want them to do, which ultimately says you need to cut cost and you need to analyze, annualize the shit that actually makes us money. Mm-hmm. And that is putting a lot of pressure on a deal that looked good probably in the offset. And I imagine Bungie felt exactly the same way about getting to the bed with Acti. Mm-hmm. But then it turns into this. Oh, Activision. Yeah, what are we going to do with you guys? Yeah, so with Destiny 3, how different of a launch is that going to look without... Activision as a publisher, just like as an independent mm-hmm. bungee operation. I wonder what they're going to do with that, you know? I hope it's cool, or I also hope maybe it's something that they don't foresee as being something necessary that comes out soon, mm-hmm. you know? Especially with Next Gen on the way. They're probably going to want to wait and be like, nah, let's develop for that, put some really oomph to that, you know what I'm saying? But I'm actually a little more excited to see what yeah. the world of Destiny looks like without that kind of inner turmoil that is 
kind of expressed with this split. Or the so invasive, like, permeation of, like, things like Eververse with fucking loot boxes and cash grab things and this and that. Yeah. I'm excited to see a more just a true game out of the box maybe from them something that isn't bogged down by microtransactions and things that reek of a big publisher and great it's it's gonna take its time we're probably gonna see far less advertising for a game like destiny 3 it's gonna be like pushed in our faces probably a lot less but i think it'll it'll be good when we finally do get to it yeah on the outside it just looked like a game of tug of war where activision wanted to make uh, Destiny as commercially accessible as possible, mm-hmm. where Bungie took their learnings and said, there's actually a really kind of contingent hardcore here mm-hmm. that we can serve and continue to develop for that are really shaping what we probably want to make. I feel like that's what they did with Forsaken. So it'd be interesting to see, like, man, what if they made a completely hardcore Destiny 3? What is that going to look like? But I, I wonder also, I think they're a smart enough company to know that we need to get we need to, we have the same problems as our publisher. We need to figure out a way to market to people that have never heard of Destiny, mm-hmm. maybe off-border on Destiny, or didn't know that it was something as good as this. You know I, think, I think Destiny 2 is definitely the last big chance for them to onboard new people. Mm-hmm. I think Destiny 3 is going to be really contingent on its fan base. Interesting. I think so. I think it's going to be harder to onboard new people at that point. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it still might be that kind of that war of balance, mm-hmm. you know? I think Destiny 3 is going to be a different beast, but still be familiar enough that, you know, it's going to get those fans come ba- coming back to it. I think it needs to shake up a little bit, because the major complaint about Ooh. Destiny 2 was that it was almost too familiar, it was almost too much yeah, of the same. Yeah, that's true too. So And repetitive where it didn't need to be, and mm-hmm. too grindy in other places that it should have been. We'll mm-hmm. see. We will see. That's far out there. You know what's really far out there, Daniel? <laughs> Tell me something really far out. This motherfucking story that I had to write about. Now, a lot of this is built off of uh, Jason Schreier's reporting in Kotaku, and then on Ars Technica as well. Had a really good expose, so I recommend reading that. But we just want to dive into this because it is such a bizarre industry people piece. And we love our people pieces here at the Save Room. Oh, that we do. I think a lot of this is just going to be super high level, presenting the facts as they are, because it's kind of still (laughs) ongoing, but like just the presentation of some of the news and allegations, it's just surprising and shocking and hilarious the way it's being brought to light. Some of it's bad. Some of it's very like, and if it's true, it's like, oh, fuck. But yeah. we're going to get into it, but it pertains to Gearbox. You may know them for uh, creating Borderlands and uh, also developing Aliens, Colonial Marines, and Duke Nukem Forever. And Battleborn, which we always say, baby shoes never worn. <sighs> okay, just so you, to give you context, if you don't know who Gearbox is, strap in, kids. <laughs> I thought about that because I didn't write anything in here that says, oh yeah, Gearbox, publisher and uh, developer of like Borderlands. But I think shit. at this point, like <laughs> enough people know the Borderlands name. I'm really actually just doing this for your Uncle David who probably is like, who the fuck is Gearbox yeah. again? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the honest truth of it. All right, number three on here on the top news, Gearbox CEO Randy Pitchford is being sued by a former friend and employee for taking a secret $12 million bonus parentheses and other things and parentheses we're going to get into the and other things gearbox's former legal counsel and pitchford's former friend wade calendar filed a lawsuit on december 21st 2018 accusing one randall s randy pitchford the <laughs> second 
of breaching a number of contracts involving Gearbox and a real estate deal between uh, the two men that went bad. This suit was filed one month after Gearbox filed their own suit against Calendar, citing fraud and breach of fiduciary duty. Specifically, Gearbox claims their former employee failed to fully pay back a $300,000 home loan the company provided, and claimed that Calendar, Daniel, I'm not making this up, quote, abused the privilege of credit card access by charging unapproved, wholly personal expenses, including family vacations, gun club memberships, and firearms accessories, in trying to get six-pack abs, end quote. <laughs> How do you abuse a credit card in that in that testament? Are you just buying whey protein? And- How much money do you need to get that six-pack, dude? Like, no, you can't pay someone to do it for you, man. You just got to get into the gym with the Bowflex, my dog. Anyway, oh my God. Gearbox's November lawsuit seeks $1 million in damages. Jeez. Damn. <laughs> Wade Calendar's lawsuit makes far more grievous allegations against Pitchford. Calendar and his lawyers claim Pitchford, quote, breached his fiduciary duties by exploiting Gearbox employees and property to fund Pitchford's private cravings, end quote. We will get into that. Okay. The lawsuit claims Pitchford struck a deal in 2016 with publisher 2K to receive an executive bonus of $12 million paid directly to an entity called Pitchford Entertainment Media Magic LLC. Yep, that's real. That's real too. Instead of being used as a royalty advance, which was intended for Gearbox employees, that's a hell of an allegation to land someone's way. Yeah, all right, misappropriating funds. We're gonna keep that. And just to catch you up to speed, these are all allegations right now that are being brought to court, and court has to suss this out. We are just reporting what the suits are claiming. Continuing on in that, Calendar's most eye-popping allegation claims that in 2014, Pitchford accidentally left a USB drive containing sensitive company data about its partnerships with 2K, Sega, Sony, and more at a Medieval Times dinner and tournament restaurant located in Dallas, Texas. I stayed at a hotel right across from that one before, man. When yeah. Quake Count's in town. Yeah. Okay, so you're familiar yeah, with the, familiar the with alleged the, location. I am familiar with the, the, the one Medieval Times dinner and tournament that is named in this lawsuit. <laughs> the, keep going, because the way they reference <laughs> yes, Medieval yes. Times later on just gets sure. me. Sure, 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 sure. Besides corporate information, Calendar Suit says, and this is a big one, quote, Upon information and belief, Randy Pitchford's USB drive also contained Randy Pitchford's personal collection of underage pornography, end quote. We got to say, that is a very serious allegation to level at someone, and it is potentially a career-ruining thing. Again, the save room does not want to lean one way or another Yes, I'm speaking for the save room. I'm sorry mm-hmm. about this until the court susses this out. Yeah. We are just outsiders looking in. Okay, just presenting the information. If true, that's fucked up. Of mm-hmm. course, that is absolutely fucked up and definitely not okay. If not true, it is equally fucked up to level an accusation with such weight at somebody. I want to be very clear in that. That's fucked up. Either way, super fucked up. But here's where it gets interesting, okay? Ars Technica covered this story and found that Pitchford verbally corroborates parts of this claim on a podcast recorded a day before Calendar Suit was filed and released a day afterward. On the December 22nd episode of the Piff Pod, Pitchford confirms that he did indeed leave a USB filled with Gearbox data 
and he did indeed lead a, <laughs> leave it out of medieval times, and it did indeed include pornography. The porn in question was a video that Pitchford copied in order to, quote, work out the method, end quote, of how a cam girl faked the act of female ejaculation, also known as squirting. <laughs> Having a long-standing interest in performance magic, Pitchford stated on the show, quote, I realize this is not a sex worker. This is a fucking magician. End quote. <laughs> I know. Okay, so serious allegations aside... I have never heard such a bizarre fucking thing in my life. No, and to have it recorded on a podcast. Oh, speaking of a podcast, we are not done with this story's listeners. Pitchford also stated, quote, This was before I learned I should probably have password-protected memory sticks. Some kid, an employee of medieval times, discovered this memory stick, took it home, and discovered secrets of my company and future games and development, and also discovered the pornography. Mm -hmm. It was barely legal porn. This girl's handle was only 18. That, that was the name, end quote. The USB stick was eventually returned to Gearbox in exchange for swag and video games. <laughs> so he fucking approaches this, this medieval times employee, goes to his home. He's like, hey, man, hey, kid, I need that USB stick. There's magic on there that you're not ready for. I'll give you some fucking claptrack swag. I'll let you meet Dave Eddings. Can we? Can, <laughs> like, okay. Can we just put that into, into, into picture for a second? This kid found super sensitive corporate information in addition to porn. <laughs> belonging to the ceo and president of a company that's been around since 1999 <laughs> and held it ransom for some swag and video games listen you take your leverage where you can i guess <laughs> oh my god okay okay oh this rabbit hole doesn't stop here we go gearbox submitted the PiffPod episode to both kotaku and ars technica which in turn suggests the company endorses these statements on a corporate level we're not done. The same lawsuit alleges Pitchford, quote, siphoned Gearbox profits to fund parties thrown by Pitchford and his wife, end quote, known as peacock parties. At these parties, the lawsuit says adult male performers expose themselves to minors, quote, to the amusement of Randy Pitchford, end quote. Gearbox released a statement clarifying that these parties are actually performances held at the Peacock Theater, which they say in the statement, quote, is owned by the Pitchfords and hosts a variety art show that has featured some of the most respected and renowned performers in the world, end quote. Ars Technica was quick to point out that the Peacock Theater is not a publicly accessible arts venue, but a private invite-only event hosted at the Pitchfords, quote, massive house in a gated community, end quote. So they're selling it as this, like, art community thing mm -hmm. that's really just his private parties, technically. But yep. I, I, I get it. I get what they're saying. The, the one thing that I also didn't write about is that they say, uh, Gearbox said that every performance is recorded, mm -hmm. but the recordings are only released if the performers sign off on it. Okay. Okay. So I would imagine the ones that are uh, dropping dong may not sign off on those videos. Probably not. <laughs> but I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's that's what they have stated. Now, Randall S. Pitchford II has taken the Twitter several times since the story broke. He says, quote, The attacks made by my former friend and colleague have no basis in reality or law. He is simply trying to shake me down for money, end quote. He also stated that, quote, As a father, I find crimes against children to be especially repugnant. It is very painful that a former friend and colleague 
Connolly would lie to try to associate me with such vile behavior in his own greedy pursuit of money, end quote. Subsequent retweets feature comments from close friends claiming the allegations are baseless and first-hand accounts supporting the artistic endeavors of the Peacock Theater. Mm-hmm. Gearbox's former vice president, David Eddings, who is now the head of game publishing at Rooster Teeth in Austin, Texas, made an ominous statement on Twitter on January 11th, saying, quote, yes, it's true, end quote. The next day, he somewhat clarified by tweeting, quote, liar, question mark, and then he put a check mark, con man, check mark, perv, no idea, end quote. Ooh, okay, there's a lot to bite this down on there. Is a, this is a fucking roller coaster, okay? Still ongoing. Equal parts... Some of it's pretty funny. I'm mm. going to say that. Some of it's very concerning. And at the underlining of it all, it seems like the attacks made on Randy are for a particular reason. Mm-hmm. I will say, I will say when it comes to somebody who is seeking uh, d- damages, which is Mr. Calendar, is it's it seems like a big fucking thing to come at him for like, you know, losing a USB with some fucking porn on it mm-hmm. as a part of your point that you're trying to make in your lawsuit against him. It really does, honestly, from the outside, I don't know anything about legality. It looks like defamation. Like, absolutely looks like defamation for the sake of just making him look bad in court, mm-hmm. earning some fucking favor. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess historically the quickest way to have a, a countersuit with legs is to defame the other party sure. in very egregious ways so we don't know what's true or what's not true we are just hearing secondhand account shit apparently calendar uh, orchestrated this whole big effort to get a hold of that usb he ordered some gearbox employees to do it when it was left there turned out randy picked it up himself oh wow yeah this is this is from the Ars technica article by mm-hmm. the way that i read and yeah so i don't know what kind of information was disseminated or who saw what essentially but randy did make some comments that like yeah so eventually people at gearbox ended up seeing like that porn that he was talking about Mm -hmm. one porn about a cam girl who faked an ejaculation under under mr pitchford's belief it's magic faked it (laughs) i would like to have some supporting facts as to why he believes that uh, such a squirtathon could be manufactured. It's probably because he's never done it to his own wife, Mrs. Pitchford. Whoa! Okay, whoa! <laughs> it's the shirts they just turn her whoa, off. Whoa, whoa! But yeah, that that it, it's kind of a, that's a hideous fucking claim to make, mm-hmm. and it would be a hideous thing if it's true yeah. that he had underage porn on his USB. Now we don't know fuck from fuck right now, and I would absolutely hate to see an honest man's career ruined Mm -hmm. but we're also seeing that pitcher doesn't seem to be like an honest man full disclosure i know david eddings Mm -hmm. uh we had a kind of a working relationship at my previous job where uh the company that i worked for developed merchandise for gearbox uh based off of borderlands and that's how i met dave i've only met him a few times i I wouldn't say that like oh we're good close friends Mm -hmm. um but i he's definitely a dude if i ran into him like at a social gathering or something he would say hi if he remembers me it's been quite a few years you know but you think he's like a dude of character i think he is absolutely a dude of character and i don't think he would take to twitter saying such things Mm -hmm. without having a basis for it but again they're just tweets and they're non-specific so Mm -hmm. fuck all you know what i'm saying but yeah that's this is a tough thing i've also met randy 
I've met Randy once, and he seemed like a very pleasant gentleman. He was nothing but nice to me, and he had a very, very fancy shirt. A very Guy Fieri-esque, uh, confusing shirt. You're always talking about his shirts. Listen, man, Randy has an entire closet of the most befuddling, but intricate, and almost captivating t-shirts I've ever seen a man have. He's like a dragon kid that grew up, and just stayed a dragon guy. A dragon man. (laughs) (laughs) We're going places. Yeah. But this is rough stuff, man. But some of this shit's so weird. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What is this eye wide, eyes wide shut shit that you got going on? With the peacock party. <laughs> on your private like estate, my dude. Yeah. I, I've definitely seen an image of Randy painted across the industry as being a very, a colorful man. Uh-huh. A, a man where deals maybe don't go as well as they could. Maybe he's misappropriated some funds here and there. But like having private. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big allegation, yeah, by the way. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But like private parties, all this other stuff, like, whew. Yeah, it's it's all weird, but if somebody were to go after him on a monetary basis, mm-hmm. you take all the weird. You take all the weird and make it look especially bad. So mm-hmm. I'm saying from one perspective, Wade and his team of lawyers could be manufacturing a story that is partly true, partly not. Remember, one of the comments was like, it is under belief. What the fuck does that mean? Mm-hmm. Under belief. Do you have video evidence of this? Have Do you have firsthand accounts from multiple sources? Underbelief. What? No. You know, there's wiggle room statements, and Gearbox is making that point about this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. They're like, look at this. Some of this is just bullshitty, fancy lawyer talk, which is so Texas for a fucking company <laughs> to say out loud. They're just using lawyer talk to make us look bad. <laughs> but the other corner of this, what if there is? What if this lawsuit does bring the light that? Randy has been misappropriating funds. He's mm-hmm. been doing shit that he shouldn't have. He's been crossing boundaries because he he views his ownership of the company as being, uh, you know, his impunity pass mm-hmm. essentially. That's that's kind of that's kind of gross. Yeah, that's actually a good. lot gross. It's not uncommon for these stories to come to light about like head CEOs like doing outlandish things, abusing their power, and this and that. Especially like in in recent years, you want to hope the best that these these people are using their power for good, doing good by their employees and the people that work for them and with mm-hmm. them and are partners. You don't want to see things come like this come to light, but like you know, it happens sometimes. It does. It does. You know, they always say that phrase. Uh, you never meet your heroes, mm-hmm. and there's there's some truth in that. But what it what it really is skipping is the fact that your heroes are human, mm-hmm. and humans make mistakes. And some of those mistakes are little, and some of them are fucking big. Mm-hmm. And some of them, unfortunately, are not mistakes at all. Especially when you know you're taking money from a company. So, and it sucks to learn these things. It absolutely sucks. There's plenty of. I am a fan of Borderlands. I am a fan of. Some of the work that Gearbox has put out mm. that isn't called Aliens, Colonial Marines, or Battleborn. <laughs> not not to put too fine of a point on it, yeah. but I think there's some talented people there. And having this story floating around is very damaging to their image just by proxy. You know, They have nothing to do with it, and now they have everything to do with it because this motherfucker might be a complete idiot, buffoon. Or... I feel so awful for the employees over at Gearbox, right. the the creative teams, the people who have to do like social media work or PR relations right mm-hmm. now. Because I'm sure it's a, a, a media shitstorm. I'm sure it's them. an endless fire right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't seen much from Gearbox in previous years. Not really anything big since Borderlands 2. Now they, they say they've just been working on uh, the third one this yeah. entire time. I mean, we saw the crash and burn of fucking Battleborn. So like this is for sure not going to bring the company 
to people's minds in a good way. It's no, it's definitely going to stir them like, okay, what was actually happening was, was Borderlands is Gearbox. Is that a brand I can trust? Is that a brand with right, integrity? Right. And- it, it's so hard to separate controversy from, from the people behind a brand mm-hmm. or behind an institution or company like that. So, so fucking difficult, yeah. but it just, it, cause it, it's so severe. It just drags everything down, you know? And especially the nature of these allegations are goddamn awful, yeah. dude. No, it's it sucks, especially if, like, this is happening on company time, mm-hmm. using company assets. Yeah. Like, it put, it indicts the whole company, too. I know, but I will say, if if it comes to light that some of these allegations are true, especially when it comes to him being completely negli- negligent with company funds... Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be anywhere near that company no, anymore. No, of course not. He should kindly bow the fuck out, mm. and we never see a bowling t-shirt in those halls again. No, we only see them in the Peacock Club. <laughs> oh my god, whatever the fuck that is. <sighs> it sounds so bizarre. I do not want to be a part of this. <laughs> I do not want to go to this this fucking crazy mansion party where probably everyone's wearing fucking masks and has their dick. <laughs> <laughs> like some upper room for shit. There's no two ways about it. It's exactly eyes wide shut. <laughs> It's crazy. The more we yeah. delved into that article, the more bizarre it got. It just... It... And especially, it's like if that one specific allegation is true, mm-hmm. that you do have that kind of porn on a USB mm-hmm. stick uh, of the underage variety, mm-hmm. you should get worse than a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Uh, on the wrist. His claim was that, what, it's it was barely legal? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How old? <laughs> I say if it's again we need we need more facts about everything exactly. that's going here and you know what we need to know what the fuck that or, I'm sorry we don't need to know shit but what needs to be figured out is in court under the guise of law mm-hmm. they need to figure out those facts yeah. before any kind of verdict needs to come through because that is a life ruining allegation I'm sorry this shouldn't be left up to public trial yeah, 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 or anything yeah. like that literally yeah. like you should have the full information yeah. in front of you I love that we're recording a podcast and just being like fuck what you think but like we're <laughs> actually issuing out what we think about the situation mm-hmm. but it happens it was it was something that we need to talk about that was so bizarre and, and interesting but also I feel I just feel like weird about certain parts of it, man. I I already kind of felt weird about Randy Pitchford in the first place, especially (laughs) hearing about his dealings and the sort of stuff he's done. I mean, we go back to like the Colonial Marines loss. Yeah, they got sued for that because Mm -hmm. Sega said, yo, you were misappropriating our fucking funds to put it into Borderlands instead of putting it into this alien game, aliens game that we trusted you to deliver on. So that's when they put all that money towards Borderlands too. Uh, one and two oh, okay. at certain points, actually. And that that is what the lawsuit says, anyway. Mm-hmm. And Randy act like the just a right jackass during all of that, apparently. And even Wade calls that out in his lawsuit, where it's like, yes, what Pitchford was at the forefront of that litigation, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's not a good image, and there is definitely patterns. But my hope is that these patterns aren't just like, you know, somebody using it to their advantage to just fucking squeeze some money out of them. Mm-hmm. Or, if that dude has been squeezing money out of other people, then it's kind of funny that somebody's trying to squeeze some money out of him, too. That's that, true. That's actually karmic. <laughs> but it's all fucked, dude. Yeah. I, I, I will be interested to see how it turns out. But, yeah, no public opinion is not going to suss that out perfectly. They, no, I think yeah. we're going to see a lot of new stuff breaking with it over the next yeah. few weeks and months. And then whenever it does eventually go to trial, we're going to see some. So we're going to see some stuff. Do you want to see a peacock party? Kind of interested. I mean, I don't want I don't want Randy okay. Pitchford to host it because, like, I don't. I'd have to see his mask face and his magic shirts. It's but. like an exclusive membership, so you all have to put on his fucking exuberant shirts. <laughs> Ones like it. He has a coat rack. You don't have to, you have to put on like a vest in some in some clubs. Yeah. You ever seen that? Like, know. leave your jacket on the coat rack. Pick up a shirt. Yeah, yeah. Pick up a shirt. Pick up like the the 
moose moose lodge fucking vest you have to do the same thing with the bowling shirts okay all right that's how we infiltrate (laughs) we find our own from a tj maxx look for dragons look for weird designs make sure the designs are only ever on one side that is the signature very asymmetrical exactly exactly and we fucking break on in and we see what's going on ourselves you and me do some save room boy infiltration and we will get to justice because i've always believed this i've always believed this since i was a little kid judge oh my god <laughs> didn't know he was going that way with that i wasn't sure where he was going with any of it yeah oh after all the things i wrote i didn't know how to end this story <laughs> <laughs> oh man do you know how to end it i think we just walk away from it i think i think we just let it yeah. sit where it is i i don't have any crazy industry opinions on it i'm yeah. just kind of like waiting till all the facts are out there because it is all very serious like litigations you know it's heavy stuff well do yeah. got anything else to say here Nope, I do not. It is over. My clap is trapped. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> well, once again, this has been The Save Room. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 50. <laughs> Can't believe we made 50 of these numbered bad boys. Yeah, if we're lucky, we'll make 58 more. Maybe. Maybe. We'll You're looking how, at that's a heavy maybe. We'll see how that goes. But you know, thank you guys for listening and, and giving us your support. As always, mm-hmm. you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, RSS feeds everywhere. Or our home at soundcloud.com slash the safe room show. Also, mm-hmm. if you want to communicate at us directly, find us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're at Save Room Show. Literally at Save You room wanna do show. us a favor? Open us up on your phone. Leave it at a medieval times. Give us exposure, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, just have the episode playing and have a kid find it, you know? Like, oh, the save room, okay. That reminds me of uh, me going into the Apple store and just putting, like, my website, the, the, my old oh, the gaming herb. website, the Red Herb, and just, like, leave it on the screens. And people be like, what is this? He's talking about Resident Evil. That's kind of neat. I like video we games. We should do the same. I love it. I love it, dude. Because if you're going to leave it anywhere, it might as well be at a medieval time. True. I went to a medieval times once. Yeah, and you like it? It was like wrestling for adults. It, it felt very staged. And Is that where you got all those goddamn medieval times cards? that yeah, we have in the I have kitchen. a number of them for I sure. I love those actually. Those are great. They have the little kind of ho- like what do you call it? Holographic yeah. images on it? Yeah. yeah. Hollow Knights. It's very... <laughs> <laughs> um, if you feel so inclined to watch our streaming endeavors like we said earlier you can find us over at Twitch. You can find Kevin at the end of the month streaming a shit ton of RE2 at twitch.tv slash the red herb. RE2 all the way down. Combining herbs left and right getting into those fucking limb physics shooting off zombie it parts. It blew my mind that you can combine herbs on the fly instead of having to get an inventory item out and then mix them. You did it. You, 20 years of innovation Capcom. You did it. Anyway. You can find me over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. I'm getting back on my stream bullshit. What am I going to stream this week? Who knows? Do community votes, man. Community. I almost did it on Twitter today because I wanted to stream tonight and I wanted to leave it up to the people. So. Almost doesn't get nothing done. You're it's either going to leave it at a medieval times or you're not. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. And remember, save your game. <laughs>